There are two kinds of people in the insurance industry. Those who are captive and those who are free. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. Captivity can go far beyond the companies you represent. It starts between your ears and its impact is felt in every corner of your business. We're all about helping agency principals and sales professionals reach your maximum potential and flex your freedom. If your goals are big enough, you're going to have to get uncomfortable to be able to reach them. Our team at RiskWell is living this out every single day. This show is where I share our successes, our failures, and everything I learn along the way. We deliver relevant, tactical, and actionable content from industry peers, innovative partners, and a variety of leaders from other business verticals. We're not holding anything back. There's no upsell, no guru pitch, and no fluff. It's time to unshackle yourself from captivity and make your freedom jump with the Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. Welcome back to the show. It's another episode of the Agency Freedom Podcast. We help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. And this is a special episode. It's a bit of a milestone. Uh, not only because I am recording with strep throat, it's kind of like Michael Jordan with the flu game. It's going to become the stuff of legend over the course of time, I am sure. However, we are also joined not just by Aviad Pinkoveski, who is employee number one at Hippo, former team member at LinkedIn, and the current president and CEO of First Connect Insurance. We'll get to him in just a second. Before that, you guys have heard from Peter McDonald on this podcast in the past. Uh, Peter has become a friend of mine over the last couple of years. And uh, we have made the decision, after a lot of figuring out who the right fit is, to have Peter on as a regular guest co-host of the Agency Freedom Podcast. He signed his deal. I talked with his agent. Uh, we don't not going to disclose the terms of the contract years and how many millions of dollars I'm paying him, but uh, you guys get to hear more of Peter. He's going to be the yin to my yang or yang to my yin, depending on how you feel about Eastern philosophy. Uh, but Peter, thanks for joining us as guest co-host uh, for the first of what will hopefully be many times. All I can say is never split the difference on the negotiation, guys. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm definitely over a barrel on that one. Let me tell you. The deal that we made, because Peter's network is extensive. Aviad is here because uh, Peter introduced me to Aviad, and it was a great conversation. And I'm like, wait a second. I can't have you introducing me to your people and not have you in on the conversation, because Peter's kicked around the idea of having his own podcast for a long time. And I'm like, wait a second. Why don't you just come on as a guest host for any guest that you bring to my network. Like if I don't already know them and the guest is in your network, well, why don't you just come on as a guest co-host and everybody wins. The conversation's more interesting. The guest is more at ease because they already know you. I think it's just a better deal for everyone involved. So that is a little bit of a, you know, entry into my headspace of how we made this decision. I think Peter is going to be amazing as a guest co-host and uh, I'm really excited. So, Aviad, thank you for so patiently waiting while we uh, went through a little bit of housekeeping here. Peter, should we just jump into it? Let's go. I'm looking forward to it. Okay. So, Aviad Pinkoveski, you have an incredibly interesting LinkedIn employment history, my friend. You've got a lot going on. Why don't you catch us up to your professional life up to this point where you took over 
in the First Connect role. Take as, as long as you want and give us your backstory and, and how you got to where you are right now. Sure, happy to, uh, happy to jump into this. And before I do, uh, first of all, thanks for having me over, uh, James, and now Peter as well. It's a pleasure to be here and can't wait uh, for a lovely conversation. So my name is Avial Pinkovetsky, and as you can probably tell by my accent, I wasn't born and raised in the States. Uh, I was born in Israel, uh, where at the age of 18, I joined uh, the military and uh, served in the Israeli military intelligence for about 10 years, a bit more than they required. Uh, went to officer school during this time and uh, was working for the most part in the Israeli equivalent to the USNSA, which is uh, the electronic SIGINT, uh, for those of you who are familiar with the intelligence jargon, that is uh, about gathering intelligence. So it's a very, almost like the powerhouse of the Israeli high-tech industry, in a way. So it's been a, it was a great experience working in this uh, environment, serving the country in this environment, uh, working with super smart people. And essentially, it was about solving problems, not in the business sense, but uh, solving problems by using technology and uh, resourcefulness. Uh, then, uh, uh, Avia, can I just yes. ask a quick question yes. here? You may not know this about me, but I lived out of a backpack for six months and I traveled all over the world, including to Israel in 2010. And I remember reading at that time about the Stuxnet virus. Now we're in the insurance world and, um, you know, cyber is like a big deal now, but I remember back in 2010, that was like a, a work of art. And I know that you know, people can't talk about who did what and whatnot, but there was these centrifuges that got spun up and down like a, like a, like a, like a clothes dryer and basically shook these things to their core where they broke. Did you have any opinion on that Stuxnet virus that somehow mysteriously impacted those centrifuges? No comment. No comment. Okay. <laughs> but you know, based on what I read, uh, it was an interesting one because not only because of the damage it created, according to what was published in the, in the press about it, it also manipulated the readings, so all the gauges indicated that everything is like uh, is working as uh, in the green zone. Everything is working as it should, while in the background it was actually wreaking havoc on the on the machinery. Uh, so I agree with you. It was uh, a very interesting piece uh, to read. Uh, but no comment on, any, on anything beyond that. <laughs> anyway, Peter, thank you for getting this podcast on uh, the national watch list, and I'm sure the. Uh, NSA and, and other entities are now listening to our calls. That's well, fantastic. You see, you just Avia, please continue. You, you just uh, increased your, uh, your uh, listeners base. My, by, my by... downloads just went up by a couple. Exactly. Uh, anyway, so I served my country for about 10 years uh, doing, uh, being uh, in the military. And at some point, I decided to change course and to uh, go into business school in the U.S. I uh, was, lucky, was lucky enough to get myself admitted into a couple of uh, great options and eventually went here to the Bay Area. Uh, where, where, where I went to, to Stanford to pursue my MBA. After graduation, I was fortunate enough to land on a great opportunity to do product management at LinkedIn, where I stayed for about three and a half years, which was an amazing uh, school, if you'd like, uh, for the American business world for me and for how to run a uh, product and to manage uh, innovation in a tech company. Then at the end of 2015, uh, after three and a half years, I decided that this uh, opportunity kind of ran its course and I was ready for exciting new opportunities. I was introduced, speaking of network, I was introduced by a good friend of mine to Asaf, who was uh, the founder, still is, the co-founder and former CEO of Hippo. We had a lovely coffee chat in one cold day in December 2015. 
And I was captivated by the passion and the size of the opportunity. It was a very easy decision for me to jump on board. And I was lucky enough to join Hippo very early on in the early days of January 2016. And the first order of business was, okay, how do we translate uh, this deck and vision that Asaf and the other co-founder had? And how do we actually build a product around it that could be useful initially to customers and later on also to agents as well? Uh, If I can just ask a quick question here, because you're talking. And so this is the Agency Freedom Podcast. People are thinking potentially about leaving big companies to kind of do their own thing. And you just said it was a really easy decision to leave corporate America, which is kind of, you know, an achievement for a lot of people to be working there and not just there. But I mean, you were doing big things at LinkedIn. I know elsewhere you've spoken about insurance being an enormous industry. It's an industry for good, and it was not customer-centric. And so there was definitely a big opportunity. But why did you leave LinkedIn to go work for some tiny little company? What was that decision like to you know, leave? What was your framework for thinking through risk, the risk of leaving an established company to go start some unknown thing in some unknown industry? No, it's a, it's a great question. And there are several ways to approach it and you know now in hindsight it was easy and it was the right decision but of course in real time it's something that i went through uh, thinking quite a bit together with my wife Uh, but few things uh, stand out first of all i've always believed that to make the most out of life both professionally and personally you might want to challenge yourself and get out of your comfort zone not always not at the same time but it's a kind of a general guideline i think it's a good thing every once in a while to push yourself outside of your comfort zone in order to grow. Uh, And for me, it was very convenient at that point to be at LinkedIn. By the way, even before that, I was in the military. I was an officer in the military. I could have stayed until retirement at the age of like 45. Uh, It would have been a very uh, sweet path. But It's a young retirement. Exactly. But I always always (laughs) believe that there is more to life than what you're currently doing. And there is always an opportunity to grow and develop. So that's one. Uh, The second thing that played a big role in my decision is the understanding of what risk actually means. So yeah, I would leave LinkedIn. I won't have the option to continue over there. Uh, But what is the actual downside? And when I was in the process of uh, searching and looking for different options, I I quickly realized that, yeah, there are many, many options down the road. And even if this hippo thing and insurance won't necessarily work out, it's not the end of the road. I still would be able to apply my experience and the learnings that I've gained in link, at LinkedIn and before to any future uh, potential different avenue that I would take. Hence, the actual risk was not that great. When you put it in this perspective, it's not that much of a, of a risk because what is the worst that can happen? Maybe things won't work out as you plan. You'll be in the job market again but you'll probably land on your two feet because you, are, you have a little bit of experience and, and, and credibility that got you to where you are now. When you put that in that perspective, the risk versus the opportunity is not that huge and it's not that risky and, 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 and scary as you might think out of the gate. But, but you were in business school. I don't know if there was costs associated with that. There was certainly opportunity costs. And then Maybe you were on the upper trajectory. You could have been running a really big company at LinkedIn, uh, you know, long term. So I mean, wasn't there some some very real risk, where maybe you didn't have income short term and you had to make like a, a hard decision, and your wife had to be behind you? Or sure, how did you, I guess, frame that? Yeah, sure. And of course, the, everybody has their own 
uh, personal circumstances and risk tolerance and financial needs. This is why I put a bit of a caveat on my statement that I'm saying that maybe taking this kind of risk is not right for everybody at the same time. And probably it's not what you want to do if you have other things in your life that are changing at the same time. Let's say that if your wife changed jobs or you just moved to a new place or you just had a baby, maybe it's not the right time to rock the boat on a different dimension. Maybe this is the right time to keep it steady as far as it goes. But if everything else is in order, and I was very, very lucky, still I'm very, very lucky to be to get great support at home for my wife who also works. And she was very supportive of this uh, transition outside of LinkedIn to a new bed. And she always believed that even if this thing doesn't work out, things would still be okay. And, you know, luckily it did. So I fully agree with you. And again, I don't want to give like, you know, a general statement that is true for everybody at any given point in time. It's very personal and very, you know, circumstances driven. But generally speaking, I think as a rule of thumb, if you can take the risk and you think about the risk, it's not that bad. And challenging yourself is important for our goals. And one one more thing to add you mentioned that, yeah, LinkedIn was corporate America and it was a public company at this point. But usually, and don't get me wrong, LinkedIn has been a great place to start my career in the U.S. after, after moving and after graduating from business school. And I, I'll be eternally grateful for the opportunity I was given over there. At the same time, the opportunity for growth and development in a smaller organization is usually by an order of magnitude larger than being part of a large corporate where you might play an important role, but you're still probably a cog in a large, large machine. When you're part in a small organization, either it's your business or a business you joined, <laughs> there is no redundancy. There, is no, uh, there are no fats that uh, can be trimmed. If you're doing something, you're probably doing it because it's existential and super important for the company. And this is how you can actually grow your career, get a lot of experience, responsibility, and develop yourself. I find that it really is a, a trade-off between short-term and long-term, right? Definitely. You need to have the whole risk-reward conversation with how much am I willing to put at risk in the short-term in order to chase long-term upside. Every single high-performance leader that I can think of tends to skew in the direction of favoring long-term and what the growth possibilities are when a lot of work gets put in. That's not to say that there aren't some short-term focused leaders that are more worried about this quarter, this year. It's just that there tend to be few and far between in my experience. Uh, Would you agree in the whole short-term versus long-term, you know, goal setting and and vision, Aviad? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think in many cases, people think very quickly, they they go into the financial aspect of that, which is true. And you could easily easily translate this trade-off of, you know, you're giving up a certain amount of guaranteed cash compensation in exchange to equity that at some point might be worth more. But I think it's also about kind of your personal development and skills. You're giving up a bit of comfort and safety uh, and maybe a more sustainable work-life balance in exchange for a more chaotic and hectic uh, environment. But again, the long-term benefit is that you are actually expanding your skill set You're growing your ability and all of a sudden you realize that stuff maybe you wouldn't think that you would be able to is something that you can actually, you can actually get done. And I think this is another thing, another aspect in such a transition that is often overlooked. And for me, it was very, very exciting, a very, very exciting opportunity. Besides, you know, you you only live once. So you might want to get as much experience, uh, you know, in our lifetime and work plays such a big role in our life, all of us. And I'm I'm sure also for our listeners 
that you might as well get the most out of it and also have fun. Hashtag YOLO. So, it, you know, to the listeners of this, of this pod, you know, if I'm, you know, I'm, I know Hippo's done some really cool stuff, some AI and everything. And I, I know when I was young in the insurance world, I was like, oh my gosh, like it's going to be embedded insurance, like Ford's going to sell insurance, Tesla's going to sell insurance. But kind of what I'm hearing from you is, you know, it, it makes sense to take a risk because you only live once and you need to expand yourself. So for these young listeners or people who are at big companies or established roles, I mean, what's your kind of perspective on building an agency from scratch today? Or starting something on your own today? Yeah, again, I'm going. To, I'm going. To, I'm going to Great be question. you know a bit cautious on, uh, on by design because I think it's a very personal uh, decision that everybody has their own consideration. But I think that it's probably never been easier to set up this kind of shop, this kind of operation by yourself. And I think the opportunity has never been larger. And let me expand on it a little bit. First of all, you can see that there are so many services, carriers, platforms like First Connect, and I'm obviously uh, biased here, but uh, different solutions that essentially allow you to set up your agency from scratch uh, in a very quick amount of time with very little hurdle and friction, much less than it used to be. Uh, for example, setting up appointments with carriers, which in the past has been a big hurdle, all of a sudden you can connect with, uh, again, Shameless plug with First Connect. So yeah, let's talk about let's talk about First Connect because you're leading into it here. But so like, what's the number one value prop? I know First Connect is a hippo company. My understanding from your website is you provide access to the best insure tech markets and carriers, and it's for free, which I'm like, uh, it's interesting. Um, but what what's like the number one value prop? How, how, if people are trying to start an agency today, like how do you how does First Connect help? Sure. Uh, the way the way I would describe it is that we are in the business of leveling the playing field between small to medium insurance agencies, independent insurance agencies, against the large direct-to-consumer, the ones that has like their own resource technology and so on. And we do that by several things. First and foremost, we provide a very rich uh, portfolio of different carriers and products and MGAs that the independent agencies can, that can get appointed with through us. And they can start selling in some cases, they can get appointed and start putting and selling within a matter of a few minutes. Just a few weeks ago, we reached the milestone of uh, offering about 70 different carriers and MGAs to our agents, which is a great milestone for us that we've been working on delivering and getting into quite, for quite some time now. And this is only getting richer and, uh, and, and better. Can, can I just yeah. clarify? And I know I'm in, th- in between points one and two, but you you said something interesting, which is, and James, is you're putting your finger up here, like you have some thinking too. But what I heard was help uh, these small to medium sized agencies against direct to consumers. It wasn't against other small to medium sized agencies. It wasn't against, um, yep. you know, exactly. I don't know something. James, you're shaking your head. So maybe yep. help me understand that a little bit because that's that that's interesting. Like I I I, I don't know who these unnamed direct to consumers are, but they're out there. Eliminate <laughs> progressive. <laughs> oh, sorry, I had a something in my throat there. Yeah, maybe maybe <laughs> that's an interesting. I, I haven't heard that from other, and I don't know if you guys put yourself in the category of an aggregator, but normally you know the Not aggregate. Yet. The messaging I hear is, you know, we provide markets, but this was like a very specific uh, value prop. And I actually, yeah, and you're right. And for a reason, it wasn't a random choice uh, choice of words. Uh, And several thoughts on that. First of all, uh, providing access to markets is one big pillar of our strategy and, and execution. 
But at the same time, it's not the only one. We believe that also by providing different technology solutions and uh, tools that allow agents to run their agency in a more efficient way and to have online presence and so on, those are another levels you can pull in order to create better settings, better footing for the different for different uh, small to medium agencies where they can compete with larger organizations that have their own technology, engineering resources, and so on. So this is one thing. The second thing where we stand out is that we have not only a very rich offering of carriers and MGA, we are also, because of our affiliation with HIPPO and because of our InsureTech uh, affinity, uh, we also have a very large representation of different InsureTech players on our platforms. And in today's world, this is something that plays a huge role in the agent success because usually having access to a mixture of more, I would say, large incumbents, in addition to a rich portfolio of InsureTechs, provide agents with a vast amount of flexibility where they can offer the right product for the right client at the same time. Now, the reason I'm not saying that we are helping them to compete against each other is because for the most part, what we've seen, and of course, it's a rule of thumb, but what we've seen is that many of those agencies, the vast majority of those small to medium agencies, and there are exceptions, but the vast majority are usually working within their communities. So they don't overlap a lot with other small to medium agencies. They basically serve their own community via different settings that they have, via agreements and, and uh, knowing their community and so on. They usually do not compete with other similar agencies to some, to some degree. But when you're comparing their operation with direct-to-consumer agencies and maybe even carriers that have a nationwide coverage and reach and capabilities to outreach to those kind of clientele, yeah, then you'd basically identify that there is a mismatch between the capabilities that those agencies have when they are competing with those players that are coming with much bigger arsenal, if you'd like, of technology and so on. Bear, bear with me for just a second because I want to camp out on one thing. And, and because of my background, I have a, a certain perspective to Bias. this entire conversation because I used to be a captive agent and I, I had, and this was a long time ago, I had a first connect appointment as a farmer's agent because there were certain things that first, if it was, it was very different back then but this is 2017, 2018, I, I was able to access products very early on that farmers didn't offer. So it's not just independent agents. What you're doing, Aviad, because we have a lot of captive agents that listen to this podcast that are still in the captive world. Allstate and farmers make up the most of them. Uh, for some reason, we haven't really made our way into the state farm world yet from the messages and the emails that I get. But I'm on your website right now, and I recognize that this changes over time and by line of business and by state. I'm, indulge me for just a second, because I'm going through this alphabetically. Listeners, tell me if any of these names for market access, regardless of where you are in the life stage of your agency, tell me if any of these names resonate with you as something that might be attractive. Aegis, Annex Risk, Aon, Assurity, Attune, Byberg, Blink, Bristol West, Chubb, Clear Cover, Click VSC, CNA, Collectible, Commonwealth, Coterie, Coverwell, Cowbell, Dairyland, Elephant, Ethos, Foremost, Get Covered, this little green squiggly thing that starts with a G, I'm not sure what that is, but I don't recognize that logo. Great American, Hippo, of course, Homeowners, Jewelers Mutual, K&K, &K, Kemper, Lamar, Life Raft, right, Miles, This is like Mutual a 60-second commercial here. Uh... <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm, the, here's the point that I'm getting to. National General, 
Neptune, next, Palomar, Pi, Plum Life, Rainwalk, RLI, RLI Surety, Romely, SES, Skywatch.ai, Sprout, Sterling, Tend, Thimble, Vacant Express, Velocity, Voom, and Wright. Now, of those names, there's a lot of names there, but most of those names that I just mentioned are extremely good at one, maybe two things. You have a, 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 an entire roster of very high quality niche players that is going to be, regardless of where someone is in the, the life cycle of their agency, uh, I'd take, for instance, here, skywatch.ai. There is a great opportunity to write drone insurance in most agencies that they are not paying attention to. Almost every agency out there should be writing more drone insurance than they are. And Drawers Mutual, another good example. Cover Whale for trucking and transportation, another good example. There are certain things that Romley does for short-term usage for um, motorhomes and like RVs and stuff. You can't write that the right way outside of a company like Romley. Thimble, with their access for uh, short-term policies and handyman contractors and, you know, the niche stuff in the construction world and other, the gig economy, as they say, Thimble is the best carrier for stuff like that in the really short-term gig economy stuff that most people don't want to mess with because there's not enough money in it, but Thimble makes it stupid easy. And I'm just looking at this list going, First Connect has the best roster I've ever seen of high-quality niche player market access. Absolutely the best roster I've ever seen. Folks, I don't say this very often, and I'm not getting any kickback from First Connect. If you're not already on the First Connect platform, get your butt over there, take a look at the menu in your state and line of business, because I know my guests and co-hosts are annoyed that I just read off the entire market access thing. But the reality is, I have never seen anything like this. And this is something that's very cool in the insurance world, especially if you're a captive agent trying to figure out how in the heck do you make your jump? Because that jump is terrifying if you don't know where you're going to place the business. Because on day one, you got to figure out who your contracts are. And most of these carriers, Safeco, Travelers, etc., insert blue chip carrier, will not appoint you until your, co- your, your contract with your captive carrier is officially terminated. They won't appoint you until you're done with whatever your captive carrier was before. First Connect can be a really nice bridge to even the more traditional you know, network aggregators. Like the day that this episode drops is one week after Matt Masiello drops uh, episode 100. This is episode 101 that we're in right now. The very preceding episode, I'm interviewing Matt Masiello, CEO of SIAA, the largest network in all the country. And so some people might be like, wait a second, didn't you just sing the praises of SIAA? Yeah, I did. And I happen to think SIAA is a great option, but there are other great options as well, hence this conversation. So uh, there's a lot of, sorry, Peter, uh, there's a lot of intentionality that goes along with a roster like this. This is a roster of heavy hitters. Hey, Freedom Jumper. Are you looking to take your business to the next level? Who isn't, right? Write more business and see your agency succeed with NBS. At Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, they understand the challenges local agents face in the constantly changing marketplace. That's why they offer a wide array of personal and commercial markets and policy options to help you meet the needs of your customers, no matter how unique or outlandish they may be. 
with a team of experienced and dedicated professionals that provide you with the support and guidance you need to see your agency succeed. Nationwide Brokerage Solutions is here to support you every step of the way. Don't just survive in the competitive insurance industry. Thrive with Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. Get started today. Learn more at nbsbrokerage.com. What's your philosophy there in delivering this kind of power to the the small independent agent? No, I fully agree. It's very intentional and there's been a lot of hard work that went into building this roster. And by the time this podcast would air, I'm pretty sure there are additional names uh, on the list already because we are adding new partners every week or at least trying to almost every week. But let me, let me answer the specific question. The main hypothesis that we have here that is, that is behind the scenes of this, uh, of this strategy is that gone are the day where you could solve all of your customer needs with one or two incumbent insurance. Uh, getting to find the right policy to the right customer by using only one or two carriers is almost impossible. And that's because of so many things. First of all, insurance carriers, also the big ones, have their own underwriting, pricing, preferences, where they are trying to be as profitable as possible, as they should, of course, as they should, which gets to the point that not all customers are a good fit to a specific carrier. And we keep hearing that again and again from agents that have recently joined us and they were captive before. They keep telling us how it was impossible to keep serving their book, not only to grow it, but also to serve the existing book by having only one appointed carrier to work with because everything has become so much niche. At the same time, you have this explosion, a very good explosion of different options, just you know, to name a few that you, just, uh, that you just mentioned. But those carriers are actually, their only task, their only priority is to serve a certain kind of clientele in a certain market and to do it very, very well. And usually they're doing a pretty good job at that. So if we provide this optionality to insurance agents, that would allow them to win again and again with the right to to win again and again by offering the right coverage for the right customer at the right time. And this is, by the way, where also technology can help us in order to allow agents to quote the right risk, to quote the right carrier to the right risk at the right time. And this is exactly the strategy that goes into how we build First Connect, offering as broad as possible selection of carriers, both large, traditional, and, and also much more niche. So agents have the flexibility to meet their customers where they are and to give them the right solution at the right time. So Avia, you, you said, you know, and I know you're a sharp guy, there's a lot of work to put this together. And, but you know, you're in business, you know, you, this is interestingly, it's for free, according, you know, no more access fees. Tell us about that. Like, how does, how does First Connect get paid? How do you guys, like, what's the objective? How do you make your it's, money or your commission? It's, ver- it's very simple. We basically take a cut out of the commission that is being paid by the carrier. Uh, and that's pretty much it, which is pretty much a standard practice in the industry. But unlike the industry, we don't take any setup fee. We don't take any monthly fee. We don't take any technology fee. Uh, it's a very simple monetization strategy that is perfectly aligned with the uh, incentive for the agencies. The more they make, the more we make. That's it. What's, what's the number one? If there was like an interesting thing that people don't know about First Connect, 
you know, what do you think, you know, you've kind of shared the value prop, you've shared the markets. What is like an interesting thing that people may not know about First Connect besides the fact that it's owned by Hippo, which is interesting too? Yeah, I think that's actually, you touched on that point. Uh, in many cases, what we've seen is that many agents think about First Connect or at least used to think about First Connect as pretty much an avenue to get appointed by Hippo. Now, yep. there is still some relevancy to that. I mean, we are uh, one of the only channels that small to medium agencies can get appointed with Hippo. But as you, as you can clearly see, there is so much more to that. And in fact, we have a very significant fast-growing business in the commercial space, SMB, which got nothing to do with anything that Hippo is doing. Hippo is a completely consumer insurance company. And nevertheless, the agencies that are working with us are seeing an amazing traction and growth around small commercial, in many cases also a hybrid of both personal lines and small business commercial lines as well, which they are both able to fulfill via, via First Connect. So I think those are kind of almost like a two, two surprises that we, we, we keep hearing. One is the, the fact that there is so much more than just accessing Hippo. And the second is the significant role and growth that we are seeing around uh, commercial lines. I'm going to dig in there for just a second, because forgive me if this is off topic, and if you don't want to answer, that's totally fine. Uh, I recognize you're not speaking on behalf of Hippo. You guys are separate, but they are your, your parent company. And when you and I had our, our intro call, you gave a great answer to this question. Here in Texas, in other cat areas, Hippo has lost their lunch. They have loss ratios that are wildly out of control for a while, which caused some reinsurance issues. And anybody who's paying close attention to the behind-the-scenes world of property and casualty is always looking at reinsurance challenges, rate instabilities, binding moratoriums, and other stuff like that. It's not just a problem in the North Texas area, although it's a huge problem here. It's in problems anywhere where a, a catastrophe is likely to occur. Any coastal areas, any, any high wind, high fire areas. What is your talking point from Hippo, from First Connect, because people can access Hippo through First Connect, for people that frankly just lost faith in Hippo? This podcast is always going to tell it real. I personally lost faith in Hippo when certain things happened in the Texas market, and some other people ha have as well. What do you reassure them with as far as what the future looks like for Hippo? No, listen, James, I think it's a very valid question. Maybe, you know, it's not, uh, it's not a great situation, but it's a very valid question. And I'm sure it's top of mind for many of our listeners, especially agents that have been actively writing in Texas. A couple of things. First of all, by no means, it's not unique to Hippo. I'm actually pretty familiar with the market right now, and we've seen similar trends with larger companies that have been longer time in business than Hippo. So it's in, by no yep. means, I don't think it's, it's, unique, uh, it's unique for Hippo. The second thing is that while I agree with your assessment, and it was an issue in the past, but the big a high priority for Hippo has been over the past year and, a mo and plus, even more uh, in the past, to work on increasing our geographic diversification all across the country and in Texas specifically. It's been quite successfully achieved, as you can see in our, late, uh, in our latest uh, earning call, which was earlier in March, where we shared the numbers about our Q4 2022 performance. We actually disclosed that our gross loss ratio for the quarter for Q4 was just 42%, which is by far the best quarter that we had since we went public. Wait, say that again. Your gross not cat yeah. adjusted, your just raw loss ratio was 42? 
HIPPO's gross loss ratio for the quarter for Q4 2022 was 42%. So as you can Does see- Does that again, take into want, account ALAE? I don't want to get into the specifics of, uh, of our earnings. We can, uh, we can look <laughs> into that. That's a crazy uh, low on. number though, man. But that's exactly wow. the point. So the trajectory that you're seeing on the HIPPO performance as a result of this investment in geographic diversification has been paying off. But as all of us know, it takes time. It does. I, I'm just going to pause there for a second. A 42 loss ratio. That is absolutely phenomenal. Your investors are sitting there just cashing their checks with those kind of profit numbers. That is fantastic. How man. much How much do you attribute that to the geographic distribution, which you're talking about now, versus, and in the past you've talked about AI, satellite imagery for home insurance, some of like the, the neat things you had in the early days? You know, Peter, it's a good question, uh, but uh, it's a bit difficult to answer, to be completely honest, and I'm not even sure I'm the <laughs> right fair. person to answer it. Uh, I know uh, Avia that doesn't want been, us to ask that question. <laughs> no, I know that there has been a lot that got uh, that was put into work in order to achieve this milestone, and obviously, it's not yep. uh, the end of the the end of the game. Like we still have a lot of progress to make uh, ahead of us. It goes into uh, pricing, the, uh, geographic diversification, underwriting claims, like you name yep. it. There are yep. so many moving parts. Building so a great business. Go ahead, James. Mark Olson on your team shared with us that there was a certain announcement that you wanted to highlight that as we record right now is not yet public knowledge, but by the time this episode drops in early May, it definitely will be. I'm going to hand you the mic and share whatever you want with us, man. What is the big announcement? Thanks, James. So we talked about the offering of services and products that we offer to our our agents. And just recently, we were able to reach the exciting milestone of 70 different carriers and MGA solutions that we offer on First Connect platform countrywide to our agents. It's a big milestone. I think it's also comprised of a very healthy mix of both traditional, reputable, very experienced insurance companies that have been in business for a long time, but at the same time, also offering a very rich offering of insurtech startups that are very, very tax savvy, very, very easy to work with. In some cases, the appointment process takes as little as a few minutes, an agent can be set up and start working. And it's obviously not, uh, it's only, we are only getting started. Let me, let me put it this way, but every once in a while, it's fun to take a step back and to enjoy what we were able to achieve. Uh, and this is a very exciting milestone. When we started to invest in, in First Connect at the beginning of 2022, don't hold me against the exact number, but the carrier count was probably around 30, 35, something like that. So it's essentially pretty much doubled in over a year in a market that is not very easy to grow this offering in. Obviously, many carriers have a lot of restriction right now. So we are very, very excited and couldn't be even more proud uh, with this milestone. Uh, and we are committed to keep growing it to make sure that we offer our agencies with the right solutions and the right carriers that they can serve their clientele with. Hmm. Peter, you want to jump in there anywhere? I know I have a good follow-up question. No, go, let's, let's hear it. No, this is just my speculation. And I know you're not announcing anything of the sort. Uh, this just from the perspective that I have as a retail agency owner, what you guys have built, I mean, you're tiny baby steps away from becoming a network of your own. 
when you start talking about market access, when you start talking about operating at scale and aggregating premium and negotiating with the same markets that you're bringing distribution to their door, I have to think that at some point uh, in the future, you guys are going to turn that corner and say, hey, you know what? We are an, an, an alliance now. We are a network. It, it only seems like the logical next step to go in that direction when you have this kind of distribution available to people. Uh, that's totally speculation. I don't know if there's a question in there at all, uh, but I would think philosophically, you guys have at least considered it, right? You, you almost have to. I think now it's a bit early for any kind of, you know, more strategic uh, speculation about the future of the business. Right now, my only focus is how to build a massive, profitable, successful business that could serve our agents in the best way possible and create a differentiated experience for them by offering a very healthy combination of carriers to be appointed with and technology that could help them, could help the agents to run their agencies in the best way possible. So, so this is, go ahead, Peter, sorry. No, no, I mean, I, I've tangent, tangential. Before we take Peter's tangent, um, the way that people interact with First Connect, is this basically just assisting these markets with distribution? Or are you guys, do you guys hold the pen with any of these markets? Or are you basically just playing matchmaker between retail agent and, and market provider? Or are you guys involved in the service experience at all? Yeah. For now, it's mostly about making sure that agents can sell the right policy to the right customer at the right time. We have some interesting plans that I think still a bit early to share details about what could be the future in terms of how to enrich the value proposition that we offer to the, both to the carriers and to the agencies at the same time. A lot of it is going to be driven by technology, but uh, it's still very early. As I mentioned before, we are only getting started. But just as, a, as mm -hmm. a quick kind of an example for what could be the impact of technology, a few months ago, uh, we launched a product that we refer to as the Carrier Store. It's called the Carrier Store because it resembles what you see on your phone when you are looking for apps and so on in an app store and so on. So it allows agents did, to discover- Did you say the Carrier Store? Yeah, the Sorry Carrier Store. Yeah, yeah, the Carrier Store. The Carrier Store, store. okay. Yep. Uh, so we launched it at the end of uh, fall, of the, the fall, around the fall time of uh, 2022. And what we've seen, the objective over there was to create a very sleek, intuitive, consumer-grade experience for agents to explore and to find new opportunities to get new cares. And the reason we had to do it is because we were growing so fast, adding hundreds of agencies every month, adding like a carrier week, that we had to create a mechanism that would make sure that those agencies are up to speed with the different carriers that we have and vice versa. And since we launched it, Almost overnight, we saw an increase of about 160% in the number of appointment requests that came from the agencies, and it kept accelerating. In fact, we had to slow it down a bit because it created kind of an overwhelming experience for our team and for the cares that we've been working with, so we had to kind of slow it down. Uh, and for me, it was a very important and interesting data point that validates our policies that agents are starving for this kind of consumer-grade, sleek, intuitive, well-designed technology experience. So there is Just more to face come Just face it, Aviad. Face it. You guys are the hot girl at the high school prom, and everybody wants to dance. You're you know, just going to have to get in, uh, get in line. I, I don't know if you're showing uh, if you're sharing the podcast with a video or not, but nobody has ever called me the hot girl, and I think for a good reason. 
So that's a first. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, things are uh, moving in the right direction from our perspective. So no. with, with Hippo, with First Connect, you know, obviously building something big and something huge, and you took a risk of, you know, a few years ago, seems like things are going well. At the same time, you're in a unique position where you, know, you, you definitely see the market in ways that the average agent, you know, they don't have the same kind of angle that you do, where you're seeing with the markets and whatnot. I guess, um, do you ever get FOMO and like wish that you would just be building an agency? I mean, it sounds like you guys are experiencing growth, but like, I guess, you know, you've talked a lot about AI. Like, what, what are things that you think if you were to build an agency today, sitting where you sit, looking at First Connect, looking at the, insur- the insurance tech that's out there, the markets that are out there, you know, what are some things that you think you would do to build an agency based on yeah. your unique vantage no, it's, point? It's a, it's a great question. I think the first thing that any either existing or future agency owner should ask himself is, who are their customers? And what is their way, what is the agency way of attracting those customers? Once you answer this, I think, very fundamental question, then everything falls into place because then you can understand, okay, what should be our marketing tactic? What should be the offerings that, you know, the carriers that we should be appointed with in order to be the most competitive for the clientele that we are attracting? There is a huge difference between an agency that attracts, I don't know, let's say like high net worth uh, policyholders and customers versus an agency that attracts non-standard, dry, non-standard auto drivers. Huge difference. You need like different matter, different uh, design for the website. You need different office space. You, de- you need so different just uh, marketing tactics. You need different carriers. Explore this real quick. So do they choose, do you choose your carriers and then you represent the, the, what your carrier likes to sell? Or do you choose the kind of customers you want to serve first no, and then the, find the carriers? First of, all, you need, first of all, you need to understand who are your customers. And usually in many cases for, for an agency, you, are, you live your market. You know where you are. You know, you James, know, why are you, you so excited? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, let Aviad finish, and Sorry, then I'll say, keep, uh, I was also into that. No, no, I was also into that. We're, we're gonna we're gonna figure out this whole co-host thing. Don't worry, folks. It's the first time for Peter and I. <laughs> no, both. no, but, but yeah. here's the thing. Go ahead, first Aviad. Of all, first of all, in what we've seen is that usually, usually the agency owners that we work with are very intentional. They know exactly who is their key customer. They know where they should spend their time and where they should not. And that's almost like a given, because if you serve a certain community, you can't really go outside overnight and expand to a different community that you have no ties in and nothing. So you need to start with your home base. Who, who are your customers? And then from there, you can, you can infer what should be your marketing tactic. How do you target them? How do you reach out to them? How do you double down on your existing network and lead sources and so on? And then, of course, who are the carriers that are relevant for you? And it could be a make or break, because if you take... If you take carriers that maybe the name is very prestigious, but they are not competitive for your clientele, you will get zero sales. And then you did what? And this is why we believe we, we, the way we think about the world is that the agency owners know their markets much better than we do. However, that's a given. We offer them the flexibility and the optionality to serve their clientele with the right, uh, with the right carriers. And this is why you know, we expect none of our agents to have all 70 carriers appointed for them. It's not the point, but they should have as many that are relevant to them. I was going crazy a second ago, Peter, because this is just the centrality of that question to every agency. It is, it is existential. When you ask the question, do you pick your carriers or do you pick your customer? And I say, 
Neither. You pick your identity first. You figure out who you're going to be. What is your office? Avia had said it a little bit earlier. Brand and identity, and this, this is not a promo for leaving captivity, but this is literally chapter one of the book. We talk about who are you. You got to figure out brand. You got to figure out identity in the marketplace. Before you even start talking about your, your target customer profile, before you start talking about market access, you got to figure out who you're going to be. Are you going to be a digitally focused agency? Are you going to be hyper-local with your marketing? Are you going to go after the flower shop on the street? Are you going to go after one particular niche, but do it statewide or nationwide even? You know, figuring out your vision, your mission, and your values of, of your company, but then figuring out exactly what your systems, your processes, your workflows are going to be, like how you want to design your agency and let that be the lens that you approach first connect with and go, okay, this is who we are. This is what we're looking to do in the marketplace. All right, Aviad, what do you got? What's your menu look like for an agency like ours? Because that, Aviad shaking his head, yes, because that's going to help first connect be way more effective in aligning market access with the identity of an office. That's where the power is. Yeah. And I, I just got a comment. You know, I was chatting with an agent recently. He was talking about a big opportunity and we, we started to unpack it and it was, it was a big opportunity, but it was like, this is a lot of service work. This doesn't line up with your current customer. Like wh- why are you going to invest all this, this energy and effort? It's something that doesn't even line up with like who you are as an agency. And I love it. You know, at Wonderite, we've gone through vision, mission values in the early days. We did that as a part of going with through Techstars, which is a tech accelerator. And I'm so glad we did it early. You know, James, I'm so glad it's the first chapter because it's so crucial to, I think, to agents. And I don't think we necessarily do it enough because we're just servicing, servicing, servicing. And we're like, oh, here's a shiny opportunity. Here's a shiny opportunity. Here's a market we can sell to. And if you start with the vision and the mission and the values, it's very easy to identify, like, does this make sense for us as an agency or not? Should we do this, Should we do this or not? Well, I mean, somebody like my office who does a lot of stuff with contractors. Uh, we do a lot of work with realtors. I'm looking here at this list going, I totally forgot about skywatch.ai. Like we would write the crap out of those policies if we paid attention to it because every contractor, we're just going to add one question on our discovery form. Hey, do you guys have a drone? Do you guys, do you guys own or operate drones in your company? Oh, you do? Ooh, make sure we get that skywatch policy. I don't know what the, what the premium is. It's probably not much, you know, a couple hundred bucks a year. But it's a question that nobody else is probably asking them. So just as an example, I mean, like looking at these niche opportunities to separate from the incumbent, because I mean, if you find a really good question that leads to a line of business opportunity that's off the beaten path, the chances are pretty high the incumbent hasn't asked that question. And you can break those bonds and trust and make the incumbent look foolish and unprepared if you're solving a problem for them that the incumbent didn't even point out which I think is probably the secret weapon for, for First Connect in the marketplace, man. It's just giving retail agents so many different opportunities to put that knife in the side of the incumbent and, and just say, hey, you didn't see me, but I'm here, and I just took your client for a question you didn't even ask, pal. It's kind am, of, I, am I right? You're smiling, so. It's yeah. kind of, kind of Maybe a I shouldn't image. be so, so gruesome, yeah, but I didn't, say, 
I probably should find different image. Now I'm going to get emails saying, why are you so hateful and violent? J- James needs like, to read Start With Why, right? It's in the infinite game. Or not Start With Why, the infinite game. The, the side infinite side. game. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's not about the knife in the side. It's like we're in the industry together and here's the, the knife in the side. Maybe uh, I'm a little too competitive. I don't know. Yeah, that's okay. No, but uh, I think tying it back to the, to the overall theme of what we discussed before, when you're moving into your own agency or setting up something outside of being captive, it's all about optionality. Optionality is what you give up when you are, usually when you are a captive agent, and optionality is what you gain when you go outside. And this is exactly the value proposition that we try to offer as aggressively as possible, just giving optionality, 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 and ease of use to the agents that work with us. I think that's the title of your episode, man. Aviad Pingovetsky and optionality in your agency. No, I, I love that word. I haven't heard that used quite the, the way that you do. That's I'm a fan. Love it. And probably well, we're, we're approaching the, a go, go ahead. Sorry. No, so I just was saying that it's probably a better fit for me than the hot girl metaphor that you used before. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? At a certain point, and Peter did it, you know, you just start shaving. And, and there's a difference between bald and shaved is what I've been told by other shaved men. It's like bald and shaved are not the same thing. So I don't know. I am not the one giving fashion advice. I promise you that. You can ask my wife. I'm not qualified. As we approach the end of this episode, man, I always love to give our guests an opportunity uh, to handle anything that didn't get asked or any points you wanted to make as we land the plane here. I'll just hand you the mic. Any last thoughts before we go? No, I think I think it's been a great uh, conversation. Uh, I think the only thing that I would like to emphasize in addition to the optionality that we just talked about, uh, one of the epiphany moments I had when I was still at Hippo, in the early days of Hippo actually, is when we launched the Hippo flavor that initially was direct-to-consumer and we launched an agent flavor of the, of the quoting and binding flow. And I remember visiting agents and sitting next to them while they were quoting and using the system that we deployed and seeing the joy on their face when it was so easy and intuitive. And they told me, listen, in the time it would have taken me, in, in the time I would have quoted like a single big company, quote, I can do like four or five hippo policies at the same time. And that's amazing. And you could see the excitement. And for me, that was kind of an epiphany moment that I took with me all the way to my current role at First Connect, that agents that, by the way, represent a huge part of the insurance industry, a huge part. Uh, agents are starving for this ease of use, intuitive, consumer-grade experience. And this is exactly what we are what we are here to deliver, together with a very rich uh, offering of uh, different cares. But this is what we are here for, and this is my vision for how we should build uh, First Connect to be a meaningful force in the industry. I love it. There is no better way to end the episode. So if people want to get connected, if they want to start getting their appointments, just visit firstconnectinsurance.com. You can start the appointment process there. Uh, and that's about it, right, Aviad? Anything else? Yep. And uh, my email is aviad.hippo.com. Feel free to reach out if anything with suggestion, questions. Happy to hear uh, from anyone. It's aviad.hippo.com. Awesome. We'll put that in the show notes for sure. Peter, uh, your first time as a guest co-host. Thanks for being here, man. Any final thoughts from you? I just want to know, like, do you guys, are they called hippos? Like, is that like, if you work at hippo, you're hippo for life? Is like (laughs) something you guys talk about? uh yeah sometimes (laughs) how is the cheer because hippos don't really make noise they don't like trumpet like an elephant they don't growl like a lion 
What what is the sound that uh, the hippos make when they greet each other? I'm just I curious. Guess coming with splashing water? I don't know. I never looked into that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Yeah, follow that, Peter. Hippos don't make sounds. Yeah, <laughs> love it. Very good. Did Pleasure you know? Fun fun fact: people more people die from hippo attacks than from any other African animal. Hippos kill more humans than other animals in Africa. I think mosquitoes is actually the number one, James. This sounds like some bro science. I wasn't talking about tiny animals. I'm talking about like, you know, substantial animals like rhinos and lions and uh, elephants and stuff. Just don't bring me random facts, you know. I'm going to have to think about it real hard. Uh, Yeah, now I'm going to get people fact-checking me like, well, actually, James, you're wrong, and here's why. And Aviad's just like, can we end the episode, please, for God's sake? Um... That's it, really, isn't it? This was fantastic. I thank you to Gwen and my team for bringing me some honey ginger tea that made things a lot more bearable. Aviad Pinkoveski, you are the, did I say it right, president and CEO? Are you both? President of First Connect, that, that's fine. Presidents, okay. CEO of First Connect doesn't exist. I don't know what that title is, but nobody has that title. Uh, he is Aviad Pinkoveski, the president of First Connect Insurance, and this has been another episode of the Agency Freedom Podcast. Make it a great day, boys and girls. We'll talk to you again real soon. Y'all take care. Thanks for listening to the Agency Freedom Podcast. Please subscribe to AFP on your favorite platform to get automatic updates with every new episode and help other people find us. If you like what you hear, please drop us a review and tell the world what you like best. Most importantly, please share AFP with someone you know who is still in captivity. They'll thank you later. Visit our website at agencyfreedom.com to get access to exclusive content and announcements. Join our community on Facebook by typing in Agency Freedom in the search bar. Send your questions, comments, guest recommendations, and favorite grilling recipes to us at podcast at agencyfreedom.com. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast, where we help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. Until next time, let's go.